Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digizua, Watkins, they're, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker who does those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome. It is Monday night, and for this week and next week anyway, we are the IDP Heat Seekers, brought to you by rotoheat.com. I am not Brad. Brad may or may not be with us momentarily. If you see a curtain moving down there, no, it's not a ghost. That's a different show of mine. That's just my cat messing around. But Austin, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Do we think Brad's on vacation? It very well could be. Hopefully everything is all right and he fell asleep getting his kid to bed or had extra homework, playing teacher, could be any number of different, and that's not a Oh! No, <laughs> Hopefully he didn't hear us speculating on his where he was. Although I was in Vegas, dance. just performing my past life. How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> no, we're doing all right. We just introduced that I'm not Brad and that there isn't a ghost on this show, despite my curtains moving on their own seemingly. So just getting things started. So Wrong Roto Heat show for that one, gentlemen. That's right. That's yeah, true. sorry about that. No, we're having some technical difficulties here at the house with some power, but no big deal. We're all right, here. All right. And how are, how are you guys doing tonight? How is Austin? Well, yeah, Craig just asked, well, I'm doing well, you're here, I'm here, we're all here, so Monday night, let's get this thing rolling, I'm, I'm ready, this is going to be a good show. <laughs> it is going to be a good show, because we get to talk about preseason football, which, you know, we've been missing, and uh, we're glad it's here, but it will be, uh, it'll be fun tonight, because we're going to talk about rookies, which, you know, yeah. we enjoy talking about all offseason, and we get to do it again for a little bit. Yeah. So, did you guys talk about Kayvon Thibodeau already yet? We have not gone into the news and notes yet. All right, so what's going on with Thibodeau and those New York Giants? There seems to be something in the water up there. Yeah, they're turning into the, I guess, the Ravens and even the Steelers. But last year, in terms of just injuries striking them, I think there was an offensive lineman that's out for the year. Darian Beavers was a rookie, probably inside linebacker for them, looking for a backup spot. He's out for the year, and Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, High edge rusher pick of theirs. Thankfully, not going to be out for the year, but kind of sounds like somewhere in the two to four, two to five weeks range, depending on how quickly his rehab goes. So certainly into the regular season, potential, you know, for that pup list, which I believe is now four weeks long. So it'll put a damper on him, certainly for this year. He's going to be behind a little bit more, but we'll just have to see what it does for that defense overall, because him and Ojolari were looking like a nice pair of edge rushers for him. Also, I know you're still a, a big Aziz guy, right? Yeah, I really like Aziz a lot this year. I think Aziz will be just fine, but this is definitely disappointing to see, you know, a player go down with that kind of injury on that kind of play. You know, there's been a lot of talk about trying to get the cut blocks out of the game. Do I think it was a dirty hit? Not necessarily. What I think it was was just a young guy who's trying to make the roster, trying to make the play. He goes low. And Kayvon Thibodeau, he's a big guy, right? So he just doesn't want to body the guy up. He goes low. I don't think it was any malicious intent, but it's definitely discouraging. And it's one of those deals that you've got to know. I mean, they talk about it in the offseason. They talk about it at these joint practices. Coaches, regardless, it, like coaches don't want players on the other team getting injured. We saw the, what was the guy from, was it Carolina? That's potentially going to get cut. Yeah, Matt Rule, the guy that, I can't remember who he laid a hit on. Head but coach? He, no, 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 no. Matt Rule has a safety on the team, and I can't wow. remember the guy's name right now. Maybe you can find it while I'm talking about it. But basically, he laid a, a really tough hit this week on a, on a receiver, who, and he gave him a concussion. Uh, I want to say it. No, that's a different year. That was yeah. last year. 
so he laid a, yeah 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 yes so he laid a hit on a guy and gave him a concussion and a joint practice and it wasn't even like a game and he was you know he caused at least two fights i think it, it was the patriots that who that's who it was because yeah, he christian and the, Wilkerson. yeah the pa- panthers and patriots were fighting all week so anyways long story short it was basically just like matt rule came out and said like it, anything's on the table for this guy like we don't care how good you play like if you can't do the right things at the right times like we need you to like we're not out here trying to get players injured that's just a stupid play a boneheaded play i don't necessarily think the play against thibodeau was a boneheaded play i don't care for the block i wish that he would have just gone high and just taken a licking but it is what it is and hopefully Thibodeau can get back as soon as possible yeah it's I mean they're rookies you know if they miss a few games in the first part of the season and they're in their rookie season it's not I don't see it as a huge deal this team is kind of in a transition anyway so it's no big deal it'll be okay I mean yeah it stinks for the the progression development of some young guys but it'll be all right they'll come back in and they'll get up to speed as soon as possible and you know, we'll see him midseason, maybe a little bit later. Do we have any other news and notes, anything of importance? I know there is some football going on this evening, but did, anything else that we need to talk about? No big news, really, otherwise. I mean, Roquan Smith is going to play. Still don't know how long Shaq Leonard's going to be out for. Those are sort of the two big-name things, if anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, have, I have not heard either, but it did sound like Leonard was going to miss a fair amount of time, at least from what some of the sports people down this way are talking that you know we're probably missing multiple games i would think you see roquan back much quicker seeing as he's you know healthy just got to get up to speed for the most part at least from what i what i understand he'll be starting week one yeah which is good for those people that were looking for fantasy production out of him because i know that i had a few people ask me what to do if if he doesn't play and i was like no just just breathe there's preseasons you know you got a few weeks to get that all figured out so and it'll be good and it'll be good for him you know, because it was going to be hard for a team to pull off kind of any big trade. I know that I did see a few trades going on today, little things, you know, backup players, guys that, that were going to get cut anyway, got moved, you know, like the Nick Mullins is of the world on the offensive side, but nothing crazy. So, mm-hmm. all right. So with that being said, we're just going to jump right into it. We're talking, we're revisiting the rookie class and, and we're really talking about probably 15 ish specific players. I know when prepping for the show, you know, I picked some guys, I tried to look at guys that I was more high on, good or bad, what they've done so far in the preseason. So I think this will be a fun conversation to kind of look back. So we're a couple weeks in now for the most part. You know, I know the the Falcons are still, their their game isn't over yet, but most of the way through two weeks of preseason. So let's look back and, and kind of talk about what, what we're seeing, what we aren't seeing, maybe some some things that we're thinking about as we've gone through. Because, you know, the preseason hype train is in full effect. And I, and I will say, don't jump to conclusions. You know, I know there are, especially on the offensive side, you know, the Damian Pierce lovers of the world, which I'm a fan. I think he's solid, but, uh, you know, people are going off the rails on some of these players. So don't let the preseason hype train go crazy and, and make you guys make a crazy move, especially on the IDP side. Craig, who do you want to talk about first? We'll give you first shots. Who's the who's the player you want to bring up and you want to talk about first and, and what do you like or dislike about what's going on with him? We're going to go to a guy that – uh isn't getting a lot of talk, but we're going to go to Seattle for, I think it's going to be a yuck year for a team that isn't going to be looking that great overall, but it's going to give some opportunities to some of those defensive guys and certainly on the defensive line, sort of edge position, you know, they've been looking for guys for years there. And I think they might have one here in the boy Mafe, the edge they had out of Minnesota. I think he has looked really nice in the preseason. He's actually been getting decent playing time for them. So 
if any of you pay attention to snap counts or like what we've talked about just because someone's a starter doesn't mean they're getting snap counts in the nfl if you want to look at you know what they're getting for snaps and where they're playing those snaps each week so he has actually played for what we have here week one 65 percent of the snaps which is quite a bit for preseason and i don't have the week two it's really harder to come by these right away after the week for preseason games but week one he had three solos two sacks a tackle for a loss and a qb hit in week two he had five solos so he's getting production you know he was a guy that had been getting some hype as potentially being a late first round or something in the nfl draft and didn't come out but one of the things we talk about is being on the field and having that opportunity to get you production we talked about it he'll be brought up later in the realm of sort of arnold evacetti with the falcons not having a whole lot else same sort of situation there where the defense probably going to be on the field quite a bit and he's going to get those opportunities maybe not to get those sacks if they're playing from behind and the you know they're going against is running the ball more but certainly gets you those tackles he's an athletic guy and he's shown well so far Austin, what do you think about him? What have you been seeing or what do you, where's your head at with him? I'm definitely encouraged by the tackle numbers that we've seen so far in the preseason. I guess the only thing that I would say is context matters. You know, when is he, when is Mafe on the field? How long is he staying in? And we'll talk about, you know, you'll hear us talk about snap counts and things like that. And, you know, is a higher percentage snap count or more snaps on the field, you know, conducive to more playing time in the regular season not necessarily it can be a little misleading in the preseason boy mafe is a guy who's a raw talent reminds me a lot of adafe away some guys know him as jason away last year from penn state who was a very talented prospect from a physical standpoint but what he lacked was the experience and it's kind of the same way with boy mafe um a really exciting prospect in terms of his physical tools but i I'm concerned that he'll be a little bit limited in what he can do overall. I mean, Pete Carroll talked about it a little bit earlier in the off season, basically saying, Hey, our plan for him is we're going to stand him up and we're going to let him go. Cause that's what he's good at. That's a little bit concerning to me in the sense that yes, it's great that he's going to be an edge rusher. He's going to be able to get to the quarterback and do all those things. And that's exactly what I expected for him, but it also kind of confirms what some of my concerns were is like, He's not going to be great in coverage. He's not going to be like in, you know, three down pass rusher. He's probably going to be subbed in and out on packages, which is normal. Try to keep your guys fresh, especially a young guy like this. But definitely want to see him develop and try to get a bigger snap share as the season goes on. Obviously, we haven't seen the regular season yet, so it's to be seen. But my expectation is that he could potentially just be used in certain situations. And they're going to use him as a pass rusher could generate some sacks tackles for losses things like that be disruptive but he may not be one of those guys that you can rely on week to week as a as a solid fantasy contributor yeah in my mind this team looks like a team that's primed to go target a quarterback <laughs> you know now that we've heard the baker news and some of these other players that 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 are getting the starting nod like we've seen what we've seen out of this the seattle quarterback group and i don't think they can survive the season with these guys i mean that's just whether it's injuries or ineptitude, I mean, they're just not in a good spot. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happens. If that doesn't happen and they do ride with these two for the season, this defense will be on the field a lot, and they're going to need to rotate guys. I think, and, and it's a great question uh, Timothy brings up, but it, it brings us to an interesting point that we used to know what the preseason was. You know, week one, you didn't see them a lot of starters because they were still getting in. They get a week, you know, they get a, a basically a drive which we saw last week, 
Week two, then you would see a little bit more like a quarter. Week three, you'd see a half because it's kind of the tune-up game for the season. Then week four, nobody, no starters play. You've started to see it transition to where guys don't want their starters getting hurt, so you just don't see him playing much. I mean, like, think about what's ahead of him on the Seattle depth chart. You know, Uchenna Nwosu, the guy who's from the Chargers, who I think had some pretty significant injury history in his time in the league, but is a solid player when healthy. You know, then you've got, you know, Barton and uh, Jordan Brooks and then Taylor, you know, so you probably have your starters in that group somewhere. And then Mafe is getting a lot of work in the preseason because he's a rookie and they want to see what he can do and, and help him to, to get up to speed quickly. But I think the the interesting part of this conversation is is how does this look? And, and it's to Timothy's question here, you know. And I, and I want to kind of expand on a little bit. A snap count during the preseason doesn't really tell us much anymore. It doesn't tell us what it used to tell us, really. So is preseason snap count really more helping guys get ready for the season and see what they have in them, or is it something else completely? You know, with Mafe, I like the talent. I think he's really intriguing. And the way that he's played throughout the preseason, I would have expected people to get a little bit more excited about him because he looks – like probably one of their better pass rushers. I mean, think of what they put into this defensive line over the last few years, and he's looked better than you know some of the other pieces yeah. that they've had, you know, uh, Darrell Taylor and some of these other guys that they've went after. So, Craig, I want to kind of kick it back to you. You know, what is snap counts in the preseason? I mean, to Timothy's question, what is this? Does any of this mean anything? Like, what can we really deduce from what we've been seeing? I think it depends on the team and the players that they have around them. You know, if they have a bunch of veterans that don't want to play and there's a young draft pick and he's getting a lot of playing time, they're trying to get him experience. You know, if he's a probably a top four round draft pick anyway, you'd think they're relatively safe pretty much no matter what. They're just getting that experience in case they're needed to play or if they're projected to be a starter that way, just getting that live game experience. If it's a, you know, especially still that last week of the preseason and you're a late round pick or a free agent or older veteran with not a lot of contract, they're probably trying to see, you know, is this a guy that's going to make the team at that point? You know, what sort of impressions are they going to make? And then you got to look at where they're using them too. You know, Mafe's had a good number of snaps on special teams. He had a touchdown saving play on one of them, you know, so he's probably going to be used there during the season a bit. And, you know, he's a guy that just needs experience in the NFL and they don't have a whole lot to your point. And sort of at that edge position that's shown them a lot in the NFL. So they want to say, hey, is he a guy that we put out there in these situations? Is he going to be able to produce for us? Can we rely on him in those? So far, it seems like it. So, you know, this next week, it sounds like he might be out. He has a shoulder strain. So he's not a guy that's in danger of being cut. But they're probably going to have that playing time that, you know, whatever 65% it was, split it more against these other guys. Say, hey, you're probably closer to not making the team. What do we have in you? Know, how are you going to make the team if you're going to? Yeah, no, I would agree. Right. <clears throat> Austin, do you have anything you want to add to to that? Is there anything that you've been able to take away from preseason when, in terms of, I mean, how it's different from before? You know, when you only got the three games. I think you guys pretty much nailed it. I mean, the meaningful stats are probably going to come in the first and then some some into the second quarter at this stage of preseason. Most of the reps after that, they are just for experience. They are just, you know, coaches evaluating the players and things like that. So I don't put as much stock into it. I don't put as much stock into a guy that's playing into the third, fourth quarter against third, fourth and fifth string guys who may not even make the roster. And they're somehow generating, you know, numbers. It's encouraging to see, you know, as we go through the show, 
Uh, we'll talk about you know stats and things like that. It's encouraging to see the stats and and guys be productive. But do keep in mind, guys, like just like we say, hey, don't don't get excited about you know one guy making a big play. You know, also don't be too discouraged on guys who just aren't seeing enough playing time. Because to me, that's almost like, well, hey, this might be a good sign. So it's kind of weird how how preseason all works. <clears throat> and I think that's a good segue into a player that I wanted to talk about more so because nothing's happened with him. Linebacker Christian Harris from the Texans. You know, he hasn't played mostly due to injury more than anything. You know, he's recovering and, and hasn't got in because of that. But he's a guy throughout the offseason that that as a linebacker, if anyone asked me somebody to target that's, you know, maybe a little bit further down and not one of the bigger, bigger names, he was a guy that I liked. I mean, I know Bama linebackers really haven't come to the league and been super exciting over the last, you know, five to ten years. But Harris is is kind of cut from a different mold, and, and the guys in the league are seeing that. You know, when I was reading an article that they were talking to Blake Cashman, who's a – I don't know if he's really a starter for them. He's kind of a next – you know, kind of a journeyman veteran linebacker. Says that Harris has, you know, a, a, a second or third-year player mentality to him. He's, he's kind of a veteran-type player already, even though he's, you know, not actually seen any meaningful snaps. And, you know – Camus Grugier-Hill and Christian Kirksey, I think, are their top two. Both veterans, both know the scheme, and both, I mean, you know, I've I've painstakingly watched both of their games so far, and those guys look like they're, they're top two linebackers. So I don't anticipate Harris really stepping in and taking an immediate role or, or immediate impact on this team when he is healthy, but still a guy that I like. But he's on the opposite of the spectrum, so I want to make sure we brought him up. He's done literally nothing because he hasn't played in a game. So we were having this conversation actually on the Roto Heat Discord earlier, uh, whether it was Channing Tindall or or a Christian Harris, one of the in the IDP chat. We were you know kind of chit chatting about it. And I tagged Austin because I know that he's a Tindall guy and I'm a Harris guy. Although I don't, I mean, I like both players. It's not really a one or the other. But Harris is a guy that's going to slide and and kind of be able to be slid under the radar and hidden. So if you're in deeper leagues and and people are maybe not looking at him and he hasn't been picked up or you're in a league that, you know, you have room to stash him. I would stash him because right now there's nothing to show on him, but I still like the talent. I still like the player. He's somebody that I'm still actively trying to have on, on my deeper rosters or, or even on those where, you know, you can only stash because I have a couple of leagues where you can only stash on your taxi squad, first and second year players. Definitely a guy that I like and I want to see what happens because this Houston defense has room for young guys to really step up and make a name because it's not great. There's a lot of holes in that defense. So I like Harris. I, I'm still intrigued by him. And I don't know if either of you have anything you want to add. There hasn't been much to say on him, but if you'd like to, feel free to add your your comments on him. Craig, I saw Austin shake his head, so Austin's got nothing. I wouldn't touch him in redraft. Dynasty, he's a fine stash, and you know maybe he'll get some out of him later in the year if there's injuries, but for the most part, I'm not expecting anything out of him really this year at all so probably not. he's ignorable i mean the short and sweet of this too is that opposite of you know kind of what i alluded to is like well guys who aren't getting you know high snap counts in the preseason things like that it could be a good sign in his case not practicing not playing he's missing meaningful snaps and that's not good now do we think he's at risk of being cut you know to brad's point or to craig's point earlier no he's at no risk like they drafted the guy spent good draft capital on him 
to bring him in. I think their expectation is to have him around. But, you know, these are meaningful snap counts, you know, in the preseason and practices and all those things. And, you know, for a young guy, he's got to get up to speed. He does have some veterans that are ahead of him. And so that's what makes it that much more important is, you know, he actually does have some form of competition, albeit not elite competition, but competition nonetheless, competition that has experience. So that's definitely important for him to try to find his way back to the field. All right, Austin. So roll into your next player. Who do you want to talk about? Well, it, we kind of have the same situation here. And since we're on the DNP players, Christian Harris, who's missed a lot of time, we can go ahead and roll right into Devin Lloyd, another linebacker here from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both preseason games did not practice. We saw him get back on the practice field this week, and he is running with the first team. So that is encouraging. He's doing individual drills and things like that. Will we see him in the preseason? Still uncertain. But again, you know, just like Christian Harris, these are meaningful snaps that he's missing out on. And, and, you know, the benefactor of that is that you've got, you know, obviously foyer is locked in, but you know, a guy we've talked about on the show previously and other rookie talks is Chad Muma and Chad Muma has been the recipient of some really good snaps and he's, he's done well with those. So do I think that Devin Lloyd is the better player? Yes, absolutely. I do. I think that next year, Devin Lloyd is probably going to be leading the linebacker group. He's going to be a leader on the defense. He could develop into an elite fantasy asset for IDP. But right now, this is really concerning. And again, he's got to find his way back to the field. He's got to get out there and be productive. Well, and when you look at this Jacksonville defense, I mean, who's going to keep him out of a starting role? You know, Muma, at least at this point, has been slotted more on the outside than the inside. So then on the inside, or no, I'm sorry, as, as a backup on the inside to like Olakun. So it's either Muma or Shaq Quarterman are kind of those next two guys. And are either one of them talented enough to keep Devin Lloyd off the field? No, I don't think so. I mean, they spent a first on him. He's got the talent and the upside. I don't even think him missing all three games really keeps him out of the starting lineup week one. Craig, what do you think about it? Yeah, he probably plays week one regardless if he's healthy. How much does he play? Does he probably play yes? Excuse me, less? Answer than yes, because he doesn't have as many reps and that experience with the first team or you know just starting defense at that point in the regular season. And, you know, we see this every year, you know, as of late in the NFL with these abbreviated practices and preseason that there's going to be more mistakes in the defense in general. And we take into account that it's a rookie that really hasn't played in much preseason time. We're probably going to see more mistakes out of him. So can it affect someone? Yeah. And does it matter for him for IDP purposes if he's on the field list? Yeah, it does matter. Now, you know, long term over the course of the season, Maybe not as much, but when you're starting off the year, if you drafted him, your team that needed linebacker help, and you're thinking you're going to have a starter putting up points for you, probably not going to have as much luck with that as you know you would think. Possible that he you know still comes out guns blazing and has a great year from start to finish. Yeah, but you know just statistically over the course of time, it makes it less likely the more practice that you're missing without getting those reps and experience with those guys you would normally be playing with. Well, and and to Timothy's point, I don't know that, and I've looked on like PFF and some of the places to see how often they've been sitting in what packages, but I don't know with this new coaching staff if we're going to really know how often they're going to be, you know, with just two linebackers or three linebackers on the field to, to be able to answer this. I mean, the money they spent on Olakun, I mean, he's going to be on the field. You know, he's yeah. kind of their, their number one. And then if they're just in, you know, 
nickel situations, you got to think Lloyd's the two. If they have three linebackers on the field, I mean, then you're then you're getting into is it you know do they have Josh Allen standing up? Do they have Trayvon Walker standing up? Who? You know, I mean, that's I don't know that we can truly answer the question what happens after that. But Ola Kuhn is their number one. I mean, they spent the money on him, so he's kind of their their top guy. But they have. I mean, the cool thing about this team is is the way they're built, they've got, I think, probably three solid stand-up pass rushers. You know, Chase on, I think, could develop into that. So he, I put him in that category. I don't think he's truly there yet. But between Josh Allen, Josh Allen could stand up and be an off-the-edge rusher if they don't want to have his hand in the dirt. You know, and then you got Chase on, and then Olakun could do that if need be as well. Trayvon Walker. You know, so this team has an interesting group of linebackers on the outside the, to to rush the passer. So. Craig, who do you want to talk about next, Bob? I even forget who I put on this list, so let me go back to that quick. We'll go to a guy who got hurt, Jaquan Brisker, for the Bears, who had just been having a great camp in the preseason. He was really showing out, and a lot of people were expecting high things for him this whole season with the draft capital and then how he'd been doing. But he had, I think, a minor thumb surgery, and they're saying he may still be available for week one. And your thumb, how much does that affect defensive back well if they have a club on their arm obviously but you know if it's just in some sort of small brace or something to protect their thumb probably not as much and the bears certainly are going to need help in the defense you know as their tradition or transitioning their defensive scheme and they drafted him to be a starter and if he's healthy he's going to be out there starting and he's one of the few guys that we're going to be talking about here that you know if you're in a league where you start two or three defensive backs he may end up being someone that you can start this season and to have a decent amount of production with because he is playing, you know, I think when we ranked our safeties this year, he was a top three safety for us here, you know, somewhere across the board, but cumulative top three. And he's sort of shown that to be true thus far with what he's done in practice and the preseason game that he played. So I'm excited about him. But again, is it dampered a little bit with that injury? Yeah, if he's not playing to start the season, you're not going to be able to him up there on your fantasy team either and we'll see how long it lingers but they don't sound too concerned about it which is good yeah he's i think he's probably been at least through week one when we could see all of them on the field i think he'd look the best of the of the rookie safeties Mm -hmm. you know i'm still high on petrie and then i mean hamilton it's kind of been a mixed bag here at least so far at the beginning but briskers looked really good i mean you know we all thought he was solid. I mean, yes, you're right. If you look at the rankings over on rotoheat.com, we had him as our, our third ranked safety, but there's still a ton of hope. And, and the great thing about safeties, it looks like, you know, even if he does have a club, I mean, what we saw in the game from him, you can still pass deflect with a club. You can still, you know, you can still do most of the things that he would do. Obviously, that limits the interceptions because, you know, unless you're Odell and, you know, in one hand interceptions, it's probably going to be a little harder. Well, it makes it harder to tackle too if you're trying to wrap up without your hands. Yeah, I can. And, and the tackles can get a little harder too. So, you know, but I'm still, I'm still hopeful. I still think uh, he's got a good season ahead of him. And, and I think, I, I don't know that I was on this bandwagon before preseason, but through, through the first game, you know, in the, in my mind, it was like, he might be probably the most productive fantasy safety of the group based on you know how the teams were using and how much playtime the guy would get, he might turn out being the most productive of these rookie safeties. I'm not saying he's going to have the best career, but year one, if you were looking for an immediate return and, and some sort of fantasy value, him and Petrie might be the two that, you know, even though we have Kyle Hamilton and Lewis Seen rated higher, the next two might actually overproduce these first two, depending on how things go. Austin, any thoughts yeah. on Brisker? 
Yeah, we might have been too low on him. I mean, you know, like you guys said, his first year, he may be one of the, the biggest contributors of the group and the fastest contributors. I was really impressed by his range. Doesn't look like the game is too fast for him, especially at the safety position. That's a position that, you know, these young guys, it takes a little bit of time for them to kind of get used to the game and then all the things that are going on with the NFL defenses and things like that. But he looks very comfortable, which is encouraging. And we got to see him get back on the field as well. I think, you know, he, he looked... He looked really, really good. So I was very impressed by what I saw on, on the field. I'm absolutely there with you. Okay, so we'll go to you next. We'll flip over to Austin. Austin, pick a player. Who do you want to talk about on your list of players? Well, let's switch it up and let's talk about George Karloftis, the edge rusher that we got from Kansas City. Obviously, my team. Go Chiefs. He's looked really good this preseason. His sack celebrations have not looked so great, although his second one was much better. The first one was a little lackluster, but uh, he's been really good. And I've been impressed by, you know, what he's done. He's shown that not only can he get to the quarterback, but he's going to be productive with, you know, being able to generate tackles, tackles for loss, getting to the quarterback. I think looking here, his first weeks where we, there we are. So he had one solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, two quarterbacks hits. I mean, he's basically checking every box. And then, you know, week two, he gets one solo, one assist, one sack, one tackle for loss again, and one pass deflected. So you love to see that you know, he's getting his arms, you know, his hands in the air. He's, he's in the right places. He's generating pressure. He's not, you know, knocking the quarterbacks off of the spot you know, doing all the right things that you like to see. He looks like the real deal. He looks like he's going to be a good fit in Kansas City, which I think is really important for any rookie to be able to fit into the defense that they're going to. You know, sometimes talent, you know, doesn't always earn you opportunities. Sometimes it's, you know, about fit and, and your development. And George Kaloftis looks like he's really coming along nicely. So I'm pretty excited about him. Well, and with what's ahead of him, he has, I mean, he has the best opportunity of these edge rushers to step in and take a prominent role i mean he's got a lot of old guys in front of him you know yep. carlos dunlop's not getting younger was it frank clark's on the other side not getting younger and you're seeing all the right things come out of kansas city you know i was looking at an article i think it was earlier today as i was doing show prep but they were saying the hard work's paying off and the coaches are, are seeing it you know he's probably the hardest working defensive end on the field and and they needed that i mean this defensive line is has not been great at producing consistent pass rush over the last few years you know they've tried to look at it different ways and frank clark's been solid for him but they've needed some help so I, I think carl loftus has the perfect opportunity as long as he keeps grinding away that he could really step in and be a force craig what do you think yeah i have him as my and this is a dynasty of course which is not just applicable to this year but number four overall rookie on rotoheat.com he was kind of to your point the kind of guy that kansas city needed I mean, he's a big dude, and he's a just super hard worker, which I always have a soft spot for those kind of guys, even when they're not the most talented. I had Hunter run for all over the place in fantasy before it was cool, because he was just, you know, that sort of Wes Welker, smaller, hard worker type of guy that just goes out there and gets it done. I think Chris Borland, when he played for San Francisco mm -hmm. for a couple of years, that, you know, just not as heralded. Carl Loftus, of course, was viewed much higher than those guys, you know, with where he was drafted. But to Austin's point, he's shown it, that he's going to be able to do it. It's just how much time is he going to be given on that veteran team that has Super Bowl aspirations? Is he going to be out there a good bit? All signs right now are pointing to yes, and he's one of those rookies. Again, there aren't a lot of them each year, but he could have a nice return on your investment year one with what he's shown and the team that he's on. 
Yeah, I love that he has the veteran presence around him too. Real quick to Brad's point, I love that he does have those guys around him to just work with him. I've seen a lot of videos of like after practices, him staying and, you know, working with those guys. So that's, you know, to me, that's, that's encouraging. He's out there, he's working on his craft, he's getting better. It's just very encouraging. So I'm excited for him. Yep, I would absolutely agree. So I'll jump over to a guy I kind of already mentioned when I was talking Harris and my next player we'll talk about is Jalen Petrie, the safety from Houston. He didn't play this last week, and it looks like it's most likely because he's probably already locked up starting position. All the news that I've been able to find out of Houston is it sounds like he's already, you know, with the one preseason game, it looks like he's probably, obviously never want to say 100% certain, but a few articles I've seen out of Houston talked about him being all but a sure thing as, as their week one starter. You know, they took him out of the second round and in, in week one, looked solid looking at the, looking at his stats. It looked like he got four solos and a tackle for loss. And with the way this team is, and the offense isn't as bad as people, I think, want to make it out to be, I'd, but I still expect this defense to have a fair amount of time on the field to where he should get you some really solid fantasy production if you need a deeper piece or, or a depth piece that you could use as a bi-week guy. I wouldn't – I'm not yet comfortable with any rookie saying there could be a weekly starter for you, but he's definitely one of those guys that I think, you know, if you have him on your roster, you should feel pretty good about it. And I know I've got quite a few shares of him. When I was looking through most of my leagues, I, I have shares on him in quite a few spots. And I like what I saw of him. You know, you saw a lot of what you saw – on the Baylor tape when you looked at him, the range, the speed, the, you know, the power behind that, you know, the way that he was hitting the tackles, his angles, really pleased with what I saw on, at least on film in week one. He didn't look overmatched out of place. He didn't, he didn't Derek Stingley anywhere. Like if you watch this last week, Derek Stingley looked, I mean, he got, he was getting overmatched by wide receivers that were, are not going to be on this, on the roster. So, you know, there was, there was one play where, Gosh, I can't think of that. He was the Chargers, uh, this receiver that everybody in the Chargers area is talking about, this kind of like Palmer. deeper. No, not Palmer. It was a lot of second. I'll have, to talk, I'll have to look it up now. But he got beat on, and it was just a cross. Like the guy, it was like five steps. Guy did one kind of in and then – or kind of out and then beat him with the hips, went in, and Stingley was still looking in the backfield watching the quarterback. And I was like, ooh, I know rookie corners. It's going to take a minute. But man, it's it's crazy to me, and, and I'm with you, Timothy. I I mean, Petrie really should have been in the conversation for a first round pick. Although I mean, he went in second, so it's not not far off. But he's definitely looking the part of of what I was hoping for when I saw him, at least through week one. Uh, so he did play week two, Brad. He just oh, did it. he play? He didn't yep. do anything. Nothing for stats, but he got 17 snaps. Oh, he did get 17 snaps. You're right. Okay, so he was in week two. Yeah. You're right. I didn't look at that part of it. It's I not see the end it. of the world. But no. And, yeah. and that goes back to the, one of the things that we talked about earlier. Is like, yeah, his snaps are low. You got 18 and 17, and he didn't do a whole lot in the second. But, I mean, what what are they out there looking like? Why would they keep him on the field? What are they looking for that they haven't seen in practice? You know, all the reports coming out of you know Houston are that they really they really like Jalen Petrie, and he's 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 shown so far that. You know, he's probably going to be a starter and he's probably going to be an immediate fantasy contributor. I mean, he's a really good player. He was excellent in college at Baylor. I apologize. It was the Rams they were facing. And the receiver that people have been talking about is a kid named. I don't even see him on this list, but he had reception. So what in the world? Oh, here we go. Gosh, I can't. I don't, I'm not seeing it here on the list of their receivers. Oh, well, he got beat real quick. Like, it was one of the first passes that he got beat on. What was that, Craig? They just don't have a whole lot else at safety anyway. I mean, that's no, probably why he has so few snaps through, you know, each of the first couple of weeks is, you know, to get him some playing time that we talked about. So he's on the field getting a little experience. But 
why put a guy out there for the whole game to get hurt when you know you're going to be starting him week one? And despite what they say, every team, you know, is thinking, oh, you know, we want to go to the Super Bowl and win. There probably is a bit of realism realizing they got an uphill battle, you know, this year and they don't need to put a young guy out there to get hurt. You know, it's him and what, Eric Murray and then mm-hmm. a bunch of old, this- old veteran depth. I mean, by midseason, you could probably see three or four of their rookies from this class starting on defense. That's, I mean, that's where this team's at in in reality. Uh, I expect Harris to be a starter at some point, probably on the weak side and maybe the strong side. I mean, he's not going to be the Mike, but he's probably going to be on the field for a significant amount of time. And even they like the the defensive tackle, Thomas uh, was it Thomas Booker. Booker or whatever his name is. Yeah, um, they Sting like him from what I've seen. What was that? Stingley too. Something that before. Oh, yeah, Stingley, too. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, Craig, who do you want to talk about next, buddy? We're going to go to a guy that's got a little bit of playing time each game and is still, I don't think, probably in line to start, but Nicobe Dean for the Eagles. He's got four solos and then a solo and two assists on 38 and 41% of the snaps. You know, 24 and 30 snaps is what it equates to in a preseason game. So he's been out there. He's been showing all right. I don't think that they're going to just throw him into the fire as a starter right away. That remains to be seen. But I think Kazir White and TJ Edwards are going to be the starters there. Both of those players have been talked up quite a bit by the coaching staff and the other players. They're just doing fantastic and showing a lot this year. And it's a situation where with some of the red flags that Dean had, there's no reason for them just to throw him out there if they don't need to right away. He's a longer-term piece, and he's a great guy to be able to have sort of grow in a backup role and be a starter in a pinch if something happens. But I think, you know, despite him showing well in the preseason, one of the reasons, again, you've seen him play a little bit more is to get him that experience and they're knowing, hey, we don't have to count on this guy as a starter right away. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, got excited at the spot that he went to. I think it's a situation we just need to hold our horses a little bit. And, you know, you might need to wait a year or two because I think both Edwards and White are free agents after this year. Probably not going to bring both of them back, which, you know, give Dean an opportunity. He's a third round pick. They're probably looking at him as a long term starter with the talent that he has. So, again, this year, I don't think he's probably going to end up being a starter, but it is nice to see him out there playing and uh, doing well after he fell in the draft. Austin, any thoughts on him? I'm good with that. Everything you said, you nailed it. I mean, because your White's probably the, the, the number one linebacker to have there in, in Philly. And, you know, I think that gives it buys Philly time as long as they've got White and Edwards to figure out, you know, if they want to keep one of those guys around. And then next year is probably when you see Nicobe Dean step in and take on a full time role. So, <laughs> yeah, just checking spot track. It does look like they're both free agents after the year. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything to add. I think he's probably the most talented linebacker they've drafted. They've drafted last five years easily. It's the highest drafted linebacker since Marcus Smith in 2014. Yeah, and I think he's the most talented of the linebackers they drafted. I mean, this is a team that's really had a hard time drafting good linebackers. I mean, they they don't they don't. I mean, that's just the because they don't draft them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If the third round pick is the highest they've had, and the next closest recent was Davion Taylor, who's still on the team, but he's had injury issues, so. Yep. All right. So let's, because it's already 10 15, I want to make sure we jump to. We did start late too. So we did start a little late, but I want to make sure we get to get to a couple of, a couple of these other guys. I talked Petrie, you talked to Kobe Dean. All right. So Austin, why don't you, why don't you talk about one of your next guys? You got, it looks like you got a couple linebackers left. 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and and I'm tempted to go with with the obvious one, but I'm going to go with the less obvious one. I'm going to go with Quay Walker here. Quay Walker is a guy that has the Packers really excited, really excited. I'm hearing that he's the kind of player that can change the way this defense plays. He's going to be a guy who can line up anywhere and he has Devondre Campbell to learn from which is just incredible but I you know it's good to see him getting back on the field as well I believe you know he was dealing with a little bit of an injury early on in camp he was able to get on the field in week one he got 12 snaps and then week two he was able to get a tackle solo tackle and one assist so not a lot happening for him but also just another guy kind of like we talked about with Petrie who you know they're not not giving him a ton of snaps because like what more do they really need to see from him and it's not a lot from what I've heard and seen. You know, it, it appears that he's in line to have some kind of role alongside Devondre Campbell. They have ran in some nickel sets and he's been a stand-up linebacker that they've moved up to the edge and he's been able to generate some pressure and do some things like that. So I am pretty encouraged by what I've seen by Quay Walker. I think that he's going to be that second linebacker on the field for Green Bay. And I think he's really going to surprise some people. They don't have a lot, though, right? Like, when you look at the interior linebackers, this team tends to be – their base package tends to be like a 3-4. They do, you know, a lot of nickel and dime stuff. But, I mean, they almost have to make him a starter if he's healthy and 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 good to go because, what, you know, Chris Barnes and Ty Summers, you know, trying to rotate those guys in with Campbell? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, the talent's there for sure. I mean, he's definitely – excuse me, definitely a guy I've targeted as well. But, I mean – he kind of has to be in the lineup. And, and they took him where they took him. You expect it too. But Craig, what are you hearing up there? Anything special with Quay Walker that you're excited about? No, I guess my thing, other than what Austin had mentioned, was just really people that are really high on Devontae Campbell again this, this year after what he did last year. Probably need to temper your expectations a little bit just because, you know, the Packers, for the course of, you know, how many seasons we talked about on a prior show, they just don't use two linebackers because they haven't had two of those inside linebackers to use. And if that's going to change the game with having a guy like Quay Walker have the talent out there more, that is going to eat into a little bit of Campbell's production. Mm-hmm. How much? I'm saying he's not going to be a linebacker one this year, you know, have that potential. No, you know, we've saw it last year. He was like a top three linebacker in a lot of systems, scoring systems. That is he's probably not going to get that high, but he can still be a back end linebacker one, but you're just going to have to see how it plays out and then you not be expecting that huge production from last year because this defense as a whole, I think, has gotten better. And then you're adding talent like Quay Walker to the linebacker group where the team has now come out and said a month ago or so that they're planning on using two linebackers more and they're drawing stuff up and it's going to change how they did it. And it's great for IDP purposes in terms of having another linebacker out there to get points for you. And, you know, if you're drafting Quay Walker, you'll love to hear it. But on the other end of it, the production comes away from someone else, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, in theory, I want to talk about Aiden Hutchinson, but there really isn't much to say, right? Like, he has been dominant. He's looked really good. Team loves him. They need to play him. I mean, he's their best edge rusher. I want to talk about a different line. And he's dominant. Kick- those 11 snaps he's played in the preseason. Best well, but- singer. Did you did have you watched? So if you watch, I have so, not watched Hard Knocks. I don't watch any of it. Well, I know you don't. <laughs> he's now, talked about that. Do not watch hard. Anybody who watches Hard Knocks and tries to take anything away from it to figure out what to do with players is crazy. That show is made to have dramatic storylines to get you excited. Don't get me wrong. 
he has the voice of an angel when it comes to doing his best impersonation of a Michael Jackson song or whatever, but I'm just not like, I'm, he looked good preseason game one. He's looked fine in camp against when they've done, you know, the joint practices against Colts. I watched, you know, much of that footage and then watched McAfee's show when, when they were at Colts camp, you know, trying to, trying to gleam as much as they can, but there's not a whole lot to say about a kid who was number two overall. They're going to have him on the field as much as they can because they need him. You don't pick a number two for for nothing. I mean, this team needed as much help as they get. There's another line that I want to kick it back over to Craig to talk about that was on his list to talk about, which I think we can glean more out of. And and you can see more of how the team feels about him if you watched Hard Knocks. But, Craig, talk about what you think about Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker who, I mean, if you listen to Coach Shep, has a chance to be a starter week one because all the rest of the guys aren't doing their job. Well, they just they've had a sad state of linebacking affairs for a while in Detroit now, where they just can't hit on linebackers. And you know, Rodriguez does have a uphill battle. You know, he was a sixth round pick this year. He had a really nice NFL career. He had a really nice NFL career. College career. College. He might have a good NFL career. Who knows? In a different, you know, multiverse world, he's already played in the NFL. But you know, he had a standout career at Oklahoma State. You know, physically. For his size, you know, he is a smaller guy, 5'11", 230. He can hit. He's a smart player. He has a high effort. He has some other sort of physical limitations that might hinder him a bit in the NFL long term, but we've seen other players overcome those and have a great career. So he is certainly a Dan Campbell-type player, so that he's got that going for him. And to your point, there just hasn't been much in that linebacking core. The problem is that we saw last year they sort of use the linebackers to their strengths and they rotate people through. I think you're probably going to continue to see that again because they don't have just one complete linebacker. And as much as fun as it is to see Rodriguez on these highlights, whether it's, you know, just shots from hard knocks or in the games, because he has been getting playing time in the games. I think you need to temper your expectations on him. If you're drafting him in redraft, or if you got a late dynasty draft, don't be taking him in the first round of an IDP draft, because I just don't think you're going to get that return on your investment this year. If that's what you're looking for, if you think he's the next guy for the Lions for the next ten years as a starter, you know, midway through this year and on, go ahead and you know shoot your shot and maybe end up being right. But this year, I just don't see him returning. You know, linebacker one, two, probably not even three. Although if he's out there, sort of at that you know seventy percent clip that we saw the highest linebacker last year for the Lions, maybe he does if he's out there and able to get those tackles because someone's going to. But if they end up rotating like they have in years past, I just don't see him returning on as much of a fun story as it is. If he makes the team and starts, he's already got his story. Now it's what are you going to do with your career? All right, so we'll go to the head of the Rodrigo fan club. Austin, what's your take on what could be your favorite football player ever? Nothing. So keep in mind, guys, I'm from Oklahoma. So I've watched him through Oklahoma State. A little bit of bias, but not too much. He he bench pressed more than any linebacker, I believe, in the combine. He's a guy with a high motor. He just, he, you know, you said it earlier, Craig, you kind of have a soft spot for those work hard guys. And that's exactly what Rodrigo is. And that's exactly why he's in the position that he's in, because he came in and the Lions have an ugly linebacker room, and he came in, and he's putting the work in, and he's doing kind of all the right things, and it's probably going to end up paying off for him. To your point, though, I would agree. Do I expect linebacker one numbers, linebacker two numbers? That's probably way beyond anything I would expect for him in his first season, even if he is a starter. The opportunities 
will be there if he's the starter that's great he does have some physical limitations we talked about those a little bit what the the concerns that those create for me is you know what kind of fantasy production and what kind of production will we get from an idp standpoint from malcolm rodriguez is he going to be a guy that they're going to send in blitz packages and try to get him at, you know let him get after the quarterback is he going to be a guy that's going to be a high tackle guy is he going to be a guy that they're going to be able to play in coverage those are the kinds of things that we really just don't know yet for his career at oklahoma state he was a good tackler excellent leader always in the right positions kind of just always did the right things physically he was he was strong despite being small in stature and so he was able to use that to his advantage to you know to generate the numbers that he did in college Will he do that in the NFL? I'm not sure. This is a totally different game. When I, well, you know, to my point, we talked a little bit off, you know, the air here, if you will, and in the IDP chat. And I think it might have even been privately, but my point was just that no one spent the draft capital on Malcolm Rodriguez to have like expect linebacker one or even linebacker two production you know to jaws's point i think he said down here in the chat that he said he would have had him on his team if he didn't trade his sixth round pick away that's about where he was going fifth sixth round in rookie drafts you know for idp and you know the draft capital that you're spending on that guy it, it he was the safest pick like he was the safest pick he walks into a great situation the linebacker rooms in shambles we know what the kid did in college how good of a leader he is if he got the opportunity that pick was going to pay off so in my opinion, great pick if you've got Malcolm Rodriguez already in some of your leagues. If you don't have him in your leagues, he's probably on waivers. Go grab him. Go grab him. Because what's the worst that can happen? You spent the minimum amount that you could probably spend on the kid. And if he has any return at all, to me, that's a win. So that's where I'm kind of at with him. I, to your point, though, I would say everybody, whoa, hold your horses, you know. Don't get too ahead of yourself on this deal and think that he's going to be producing like linebacker one elite numbers. That's not going to be the case. There's still a lot of wait and see with his game and what's going to happen with him. But at cost, he's one of the safest linebackers you could have drafted this year at cost. And I think we'll see that once the season gets started. Yeah, the thing I want to see from him, you know, because everybody's super excited about him. And I watch Hard Knocks. I watch all the game film. I watch as much as I can on the team. I mean... He's looked the best of our linebackers. That really probably goes more to show what our linebackers are at this point. But the struggle I have with a guy like like him is that, and I will tell you, once the once the office area gets finished, you will see my st- Stephen Tullock autograph. I don't care about your size. If you're a good football player, I'm all about it. And I was a huge Stephen Tullock fan when he was in Tennessee, and then when he came to Detroit with Schwartz. I mean, like I loved Stephen Tullock. So a smaller linebacker does not bother me. His thing is, I'll be interested to see if his his just his athletic profile, if it can really hold up over a full season against good teams. Week one, it was against Atlanta. That is not a good offense. They have holes all over the place. They've got some pieces, but it's not a complete package. And then what we saw this last week was not against a you know a ton of starters. It's not a again. They're going against vanilla offenses, just kind of running things. It's not it's not a great example, so it's really, truly hard to tell. What I can tell you is that he's picking up what Detroit's giving him, and he's showing them that he can lead at the linebacker position, which could get him a ton of playing time because other than Alex Anzalone, and even last year, Anzalone did not look good. It wasn't like he showed up and was and was really going off. I mean, he, he just looked the least out of place, so it's – the least worst of so don't get me wrong i think 
he could find his way into a significant amount of playing time. Because they really want Barnes to be the guy, but Barnes, I think, still needs another year of – I mean, I thought of him when he came from Purdue last year, I was like – in my mind, it was – he's probably like a cornerback. It's going to take him three years to really get things under under his belt because think how many linebackers Purdue's produced ever. I mean, it's not been a huge amount in the last – 15 20 years so the guy's working a specific scheme that isn't necessarily translating well to the nfl so you know the two linebackers they've drafted fourth round sixth round so i gotta think this team starts putting investing capital earlier capital day two maybe even first round capital depending on what next year's class looks like so i mean rodriguez is fun a great story i mean if you get something out of him great if you get him for free even better but people are going to start putting actual money on getting him off waiver wires and i'm just not spending much because i don't really you know they rotate so much because they're not great so yeah that's the big concern for me too like you said you you know this year it could work out really well for rodrigo my concern is like you said if they bring in an elite talent next year like a quay walker like a somebody you know a channing Tindall, that's as you know that's physically as gifted and can get the job done you know what i mean like I don't know that his game would hold up against that. Would they keep him on the roster? Yeah, of course they're probably going to keep him on the roster if he's playing well. But I don't think that he is—he has the athletic profile to hold up against a guy that's just physically more gifted. Like you can be a good player, football player, but if you couple a good football player with the elite physical tools, like some of these guys do have, the Devin Lloyd's, the you know guys like that, Roquan Smith. I mean, he doesn't just stand a chance. Uh, let's right. just be honest. So that's kind of where I'm at. No, I'm with you. All right. So we've got, I want to get to Jaws' question. Then we've got, I want to talk about the Falcons linebackers. Cause I think this is one that this could help people in fantasy. If one of these guys really gives you anything in terms of value. So we'll, we'll lump them together and I'll give it to Craig first. So Anderson and Abiketti, you know, one's edge, one's linebacker. What are what do you what's your takeaway from what you've seen so far in these guys and and has it changed how you have them you know in your rankings or just kind of your overall feeling about them? I mean, of the two, Abiketti's probably going to get more of a chance this year just because of the dearth of talent that they have at the edge position and you know with where he was taken. Uh, Anderson didn't play in the first game, and it sounds like he is not looking good in the second game here that is going on right now and i think that was kind of to be expected we talked about he has all the talent in the world in terms of just physical tools but you know the mental part of the game playing a linebacker he doesn't have a ton of experience doing that and he's going to have to figure that part of it out are they just going to throw him into the fire right away probably not because again this professional football team is trying to win games and they do have other options there Michael Walker's a guy that's been around a while that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashawn Evans, you know, he's a pro that's been around for a while that they have more of a you know, two-down thumper type of player. They still have Deion Jones there. Now, I know he was recovering from injury. I don't know where he's at exactly with that, but if he's healthy, he's a starter there. And when you're looking at it in terms of – I forget the guy's name, but I have it here. Nathan Landman. I mean, he led all of the defensive players for the Falcons last week in snaps just to see what they have with the guy who's you know later pick trying to you know, earn his spot on the team so he's a guy to keep an eye on but it's just sort of like the lines it's to a lesser degree because there is more overall talent i think when you look at all the linebackers that the falcons have 
but it's still just a mess right now in terms of who's going to be on the field doing what if Deion Jones isn't healthy. If you have him and they don't trade him or anything like that, which is still you know a possibility, but with him being injured, it's harder to do that. If he's on the field, you're probably starting him because Deion Jones still statistically is going to get you what you want when you're looking at IDP leagues. Now he's not been great as far as you know like PFF numbers or anything like that, but when you got a bad team around you. By and large, you know, that sort of follows that your stats aren't going to be great as far as how you grade out. But we don't really care about that unless you're in one of those all 22 pro leagues or whatever. You know, PFF grades matter for that. But for the right. 99.9% of us that aren't in those, he's getting you tackles and he's on the field like Jones is. He's a guy that you're going to want. And then potentially, if Walker's getting the other, you know, 80% snap share, we see Rashawn Evans getting it, there's going to be value in that guy. It's just, who are these going to be? The team doesn't know right now, so how are we going to know? Right. So to, so we keep bringing up Deion Jones, and that brings us right to Jaws's question, which I'll give to you, Austin. Gets cut, moved soon. He gave a sixth for him. Yeah. Thought he'd likely be moved by now. So, what what's your what's your take on Deion Jones? And and is a sixth rounder too much, or were you would you be willing to give a late draft pick for for a guy like him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For me, no question, just because like we've seen him. He's a talented player. If he can find his way back on the field, obviously he's on the pup list right now. Do I don't know what Atlanta's going to do with him. I mean, I guess it would just depend on what they could get for him. I wouldn't expect it would be much, to be honest. And that's kind of the unfortunate part is like, do you give up the one good asset that you have for what? Like, what are you going to do with what you get back in return? Probably not a whole lot. You know, it could be a matter of, you know, just not having the distraction, you know, Deion Jones hasn't been very happy in Atlanta. They're going to be paying him a lot more money. So maybe they move him and just, you know, part ways and use the whatever draft capital or whatever asset they can get to try to build, you know, something with or save some, some cap and invest it somewhere else. That's a possibility. But as far as if he gets moved or cut, I don't, I definitely don't see him getting cut as far as if he gets traded again, regardless of what Atlanta wants to do, you have to find a trade partner and it gets kind of weird when you start getting into all that. So that's really too hard to predict. For now, he's an Atlanta Falcon. I for I my expectation is that he's going to remain an Atlanta Falcon, and we'll see what happens after this season. Oh, and and trying to make trades this late into preseason is it can be a bit difficult with guys that are like at the level of Deion Jones. You know, bigger name comes with a bigger contract. You know, you see a lot of the little little things moving guys that are back into the roster type guys. But I just don't – it's hard for me, you know, and I, and I looked. I was looking when Jaws asked the question. I don't find any conversations, any articles that say they are hearing anything. You know, it's not like there's rumors. It's just guys going, oh, well, he could get traded just because this team is rebuilding. Well, the team may not think they're rebuilding. They went and got a veteran quarterback hoping that maybe they can, they can do something because the NFC South is not the strongest division. You know, they're kind of like – the NFC North, you know, you have a true number one team. And you have some other teams that are trying, and there are different varying levels of, of trying to compete for the division. So, I don't know, Deion Jones has, you know, looking at spot track, he's got this year, and then he's on the hook for, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be with them next year too unless they get a trade partner that's willing to eat some money. I mean, he's still got almost $6 million in dead cap next year. So He's got 24 be, this year, which is Yeah, like, 24 this yeah. year and then 5.3 next year. Then he's an unrestricted free agent. So unless a team wants to get in involved financially to to take on some of that money, I can't imagine he gets moved 
you know, anytime soon. But anything's the possible. Falcons, I think they're paying Matt Ryan more this year than anyone else on the team, and he might have the the largest amount of money being paid by one team not to be on a team like ever. So that is pretty it's hilarious. Nothing new to the Falcons. You know what's crazy is last year I said there was I was pretty public about saying that I thought there was no way the Falcons were going to move that uh, Julio Jones contract with all the dead cap and everything that they had. And somehow they found a way with the Titans. So to think that it's just impossible is I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to go there, but on the NFL, 24 million in dead cap is it's a, it's a big deal. And especially, you know, that's, we're talking about Julio Jones versus Deion Jones. They're paying 40.5 million in dead cap for Matt Ryan to play for the Colts. So you got Deion Jones, man. That would be yeah. crazy if they moved Deion Jones on top of it. They would have $65 million in dead cap. But they're done after one year. I mean, that's the, the goal behind it is they don't have to worry about any of it next year. So Yeah, six yeah. mil next year's six mil next year's nothing. I mean, yeah. that's a discount for the Falcons at this point. <laughs> they'll take what they can get. <laughs> look, look at all this money we're getting back. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's wild to think about, you know, all that dead cap. But it, I've come to learn that the NFL can do whatever it wants. I mean, teams figure out ways around the salary cap all the time. It's just, it's wild to think about. I mean, anytime you're like, well, I don't really know. And then they do whatever they, they figure out ways. And, you know, and people get paid tons of money to, to figure out loopholes and how to structure salaries so that they can, you know, make these things happen. So, you know, it isn't just in draft day where they have to ask the lady if they can fit and, you know, another couple million in the books for a second, first round pick, you know, like, it isn't just in the movies. It happens in real life. So uh, I do want to get one more question because our boy Anthony jumped in. It's good to see you, brother. So with the surprise retirement of Kari Willis, this has left a starting spot available at the exact position of Nick Cross. Do you guys think he produces at the NFL level? To go back to something, and I think it was – was it Timothy? Earlier in the chat, somebody Someone said that. Asked about Cross, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Timothy yeah. said, and it's good to see Timothy. We were seeing him on Thursday nights. Uh, it's good to see you, man. He was saying Nick Nick Cross has looked impressive, and and I would agree. I think this team is is wide open. I mean, across from Julian Blackman, it could have been any number of players, and Nick Cross has looked the part. Craig, what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely going to start. And if you're talking about fantasy relevance, you know, we've seen Kari Willis have that before. And it'll be interesting to see how that defense backfield just comes together because they have just a lot of new pieces back there in general. But as far as, you know, could they go with the old veteran Rodney McLeod? Yeah, but, you know, you sort of know what you have with him. He's been sort of more of a better career backup. And this is a team that has not only division winning aspirations, but, you know, getting to that Super Bowl from the AFC with what they've put in there for that offense and, you know, Defense, it's a little bit more iffy. You know, if Darius, excuse me, if Shaquille Leonard is out, you have Bobby Okariki, who's probably going to be starting for him, and a bunch of other unknowns at linebacker. We've seen that does create more opportunities for safeties to get tackles and to come up and crosses, and to the point, showing well in preseason so far. So I like what I've seen out of him. He'll probably get that opportunity. Just, you know, how quickly is he going to acclimate and then show up on the field for our IDP purposes? Our friends are fan sided, man could be an elite defender for the Colts as a rookie. Austin, is that your take? Do you feel like he could be an elite defender this year? 
I feel like we should have had him on our list is what I feel like now. He gives me the Cameron Curl vibes, kind of the guy that just flew under the radar. No one really talked about, wasn't the most highly regarded safety in his class, comes on, you know, gets an opportunity with an injury and then shows out and plays extremely well. He's athletic. You know, he does a lot of things really well. He should be able to generate tackles. I, I definitely think that he could be one of those guys that we should have spent more time talking about this off season, you know, and I definitely think he could be a year one contributor. It, you know, just the cards, fell right for him and so i think that could work in his favor well and this was a bit of an under the radar guy right he's from maryland but he wasn't like people weren't super stoked about him and you weren't hearing a ton about him and then he gets drafted the third round pick so it was it was kind of hard to tell and then you know with obviously like anthony brought up Kari willis ahead of him people weren't really looking at him because we weren't expecting to be on the field anytime soon but now that he's on the field he's looking every bit the part and you almost feel like, wow, well, that's, you know, it's great that he's getting an opportunity because it looks like he's ready to roll. Rookies, though, you still have to be careful. There's going to be points throughout the season where they still make those rookie mistakes. They still, based on what they thought they knew and they were wrong and, you know, mistakes happen. But this kid looks the bit, every bit of the part of a, a safety that could be very productive in year one and be a nice depth piece for you. Again, I haven't seen a rookie yet on the field where I'm confident, confident saying, this guy's probably a week-to-week starter for you. Most of these guys so far give me the vibe that they're probably bi-week fill-in, and maybe you can spot start them, and, and depending on matchups, maybe maybe things look a little better for some of these guys. But Cross looks good. I mean, if you can get him, I definitely would get him. And, and if you can stash him, stash him. If you can trade for him, trade for him, as long as you don't have to pay much. I mean, that's going to be the problem is preseason hype chart gets guys going up in price every time, and I, I tend to be off at that. Greg, anything you want to finish off with before we roll out? Yeah, I mean, just to the thing about safeties in the past few years, you haven't seen a whole lot of safeties have week-to-week value as far as being a rookie. And the last one, it doesn't mean I'm right because my memory is not what it used to be. I got too much Paw Patrol and Pokemon stuff stuck in my head these days. But Antoine Winfield Jr. is like the last one that I can think of that as a rookie he actually had, you know, a DB2 value as a rookie that you could start and roll and be happy with. Some other guys, you know, would have had that opportunity, like, you know, probably McKinney or Delpit, and they got hurt. Like um, last Chin. Year, Chin, yeah, I guess there's another one. And he's sort of a, a special case with how he was used because I mean, they still have that situation, just ugly linebackers, too, outside of Shaq Thompson there, and he's used more in that role. But you can find value in guys like that, too. You know, we briefly touched on him, but it's another situation. Kyle Hamilton to monitor. Is he necessarily right. going to be a starter? He might. You know, Chuck Clark. A lot of his value was knowing that system that Martindale had there, which was a complicated system, and he's gone now. Hamilton can find other ways on the field, too. That linebacking core isn't great. Patrick Queen had even one good year, and he had a whole bunch of problems last year. They don't have a whole lot next to him. Hamilton's got the size that he can come up and play like that, and we've seen in the preseason, if you watched him, he's playing all over the field, sort of in that similar role. So when you're looking at these guys, you can see that safety label don't necessarily think he's a guy that's just going to be back in coverage all the time talk about a lot but nfl is changing and how these players get used especially that safety linebacker hybrid position becoming a lot more popular and a guy that isn't a starter a name can still have value if he's getting those snap counts and getting those opportunities to get you those tackles yep, for sure yep and do you think the absence of shaquille leonard will play into nick cross's hand at all you think that's a big deal something to monitor yeah I mean, how can it not if Leonard's not playing? I mean, look at his tackle numbers the past few years. I mean, 
someone's going to be getting those tackles. And you have, again, Okariki and then like EJ Speed. I forget the other guy's name. There was another big one. Zaire Franklin. I mean, Franklin you got a, you got a few. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of just question marks. Guys that haven't had that playing time, but certainly not to that level and amount that Leonard had. Someone's going to be getting those. Who's it going to be? Last line of defense is a safety. So, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, we got one more question. Then we're rolling out. We got Matthew Biddle. Well, welcome, sir. I don't know that I've seen your name in the chat. It's good to see you, my friend. Would you? Oh, so this is. Would you trade Mooney and Kenneth for Ceh? So, assume that's Gainwell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is probably off. Walker. It could be Murray. It's. Either but way, the, the no, short answer for me right. is no. I'm not yeah. sure Mooney for Ceh straight up. Yeah, no, Mooney's the I best piece want, of that, so I would hold on to Mooney. I don't want Clyde for anything, and I'm a Chiefs fan. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't oh, want Clyde. He did say Kenneth care. Walker. Yeah. No, okay. No Kenneth way Walker. I'm trading no those two. Yeah. Ceh, so. I'm telling you guys, no, a million times. This is my Roto Heat Rick. Uh, this is my. I'm going to reference him. This is my Ronald Jones. Oh, no. <laughs> Ronald Jones is even on that team, too. To me, is Ronald Jones for Rick. So we, we no. found what a Patrick Mahomes' weakness is. It's picking running backs to play on this team. Oh, you He's know, not really, a running back scout is what I just heard. Oh, man. Kareem Hunt really just. You can have him back. That, you know, one, that one hurts. So then, so you're the you're wearing that that hat. Who is RB one in Kansas City? Right? Is it oh Pacheco? My gosh. I'm I'm intrigued by the work that he's getting, but I'm a little bit discouraged by his vision. You know, I've seen it's been well documented and talked about. And you guys have probably seen the same things I have, where he's just not hitting the holes right. Patrick Mahomes was a little frustrated with him in the last game. He's more explosive. So the problem I have with Ceh is. Mm, like they're going to continue to use him this year. The problem that I have with him is his ineffectiveness in the red zone is so obvious and painful that it's just frustrating. Like I can't deal with it. They're going to have to find somebody to step up and be better in the red zone and who that's going to be. I kind of thought it might be Ronald Jones, but Ronald Jones looked like he's not even going to have a shot. So he's out. So I'm not sure. I mean, McKinnon. yeah, Jerick McKinnon's probably going to be the guy that's going to get <laughs> most of the passing down work. But Pacheco, you know what, Pacheco, you know what, I, they might get creative because this is kind of what Kansas City's been doing a lot. Is I'm going to be curious to see how many snaps out of the backfield that a guy like Sky Moore is going to get. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen that in the practices and things like that. I know it sounds crazy, but they've no, lined I mean, Sky it's Moore the Debo up. role, right? Yeah, and they're kind of they might kind of go that direction because like that's exactly what Kansas City does: triple option with the tight end. They're all, like all these different crazy things, having Tyreek line up in the backfield. They like to do that. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Josh's the point. Go get somebody I, else. I would like, I would like Kenyon Drake. I would like some kind of veteran. I'm telling you guys, Clyde is not the answer. Just a thousand times no. So there you go. There's that. And 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 Matthew, you need some help with trades and those conversations you're having. Hit rotohe.com. It has a link to our Discord. You can get in there. It's free, and we just chop it up. People are posting their trade questions and, and conversations in there all the time. So if you're not with us on a live stream and you and you need some help during the day or at different times of the day chats are always going off we got lots of people in there having good conversations you can hit us up you know you see our twitter handles next to our names here on the screen with that being said i do thank you guys i know we're getting to the end we've only got another show what do we got one show left two shows one no 
I think we got Although two we, shows we left. May have, no, we got one. We got one left. So next week's it for the season because then Monday Night Football and you would rather watch that than watch us. So we're going to be back with, we're going to be doing IDP waivers again this year. So, you know, be on the lookout of that. We'll drop those videos on YouTube and then articles on the rotoheat.com. But the discord is the best place, man. You can jump in there and have a conversation. We got chats for everything, fantasy football to, to, to movies, to sports cards, to whatever you need to talk about. We've got a chat for it. So we thank you guys for hanging out with us as always. And, and thank you guys for hanging out with us. Even with my, my little bit of lateness to the show, I do appreciate everybody. And I appreciate the gentleman holding it down. Well, I got things in order here and uh, we thank you guys. Don't forget tomorrow night tuesday night we've got our dynasty show back and then as we get into the season we got a lot of stuff going on our discord channel we're going to be, we're going to be doing live stages in there so you guys can jump on and talk chat with us live on on different nights of the week and then we've got live shows tuesday night wednesday night we got a lot of stuff going on in season so make sure you stick it here sunday with morning. us we got sunday morning which will be back again with with rick and bryce and, and guests because they always have somebody on so we got you covered in season make sure you like subscribe hit the notification icon do all the things you guys do share it with a friend share it with everybody we love you guys we'll see you next week the idp heat seekers is a proud member of the roto heat family of podcasts find more content on dynasty redraft Devi, and more at rotoheat.com